whatever platform you, it, from from Twitch and YouTube through network television, through cable TV, through like Netflix and these subscription things, there's just so much out there that's amazing. And with that, welcome to the Down in Front podcast. Uh, What's up? Boop, 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 boop. That was like the nicest intro. <laughs> walla walla hey. Walla walla hey. Walla, hey. So, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to be your host, Mike, um, today, filling in for Warren, even though Warren's sitting in a chair right next to me. Um, You know how that is. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for joining us for the Down in Front podcast. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be reviewing Wet Hot American Summer, 10 years later. Um, first of all, I'd like to go around the, the, the horn and introduce everyone, uh, these fine folks, uh, starting with my right-hand man, Warren. How are you doing? I am doing very well, my friend. Ooh. Uh, so, as a, as a tradition, I guess I get to go first, and uh, I really have not had a chance to been watching. This has been moving week, so this has been a pretty crazy week for me, but I have been keeping up with season three of Rick and Morty, and guys... This season is absolutely hilarious. I just, I love this show and I just love the fact that they are actually like kind of stepping up their game and it's very smart, it's very fun, it's very like crazy. It's it's just awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm super pumped to be about necessarily watching that. So uh, Rick and Morty season three, definitely out there. It's an adult swim. Currently I am sipping on a very, very nice red wine blend. It's called Chime. Uh, I'll see if I can necessarily put this uh, photo in the show notes when we post it up, but it's very smooth. Uh, they even says, you know, uh, hints of cherry, plum, oak, vanilla. Uh, but it's a very, very nice, uh, very like easy, medium bodied sort of uh, red wine to necessarily try. So and this is called uh, Chime, and it's very good. So, hashtag sip to that. And thanks, Mike, for uh, hosting. Oh, thank you. Uh, moving on uh, to Warren's right-hand man, uh, we have Bryland. How you doing, buddy? Hello, Mr. Blewett. Good evening. Bonsoir. <laughs> cool. So, what I've been watching is, uh, so... Uh, we're all sports guys here. We all have our favorite sports teams and everything, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. football. The American bond. No, Absolutely. nothing else is worth it. Soccer. Yeah. Okay. I mean, football and soccer, both my two favorite entertaining uh, sports out there. Uh, they're the ones I want to watch. Everything else to me is kind of boring. So I took a dive into esports uh, this past week and watched the Dota 2 Dota 2. Inter- International Invitational Championships, also known as the International or TI7. So seventh year doing this. Um, it is a very unique and, and also entertaining uh, entertaining event, I would say. I had a lot of fun watching it. And I don't even play Dota 2. And just to let everybody know, Dota 2 is what they call a MOBA, which means a group of five or six dudes battle another group of five or six dudes across the map. And the goal is to destroy each other's base uh, or kill each other's uh, characters. And um, not knowing much about this game, um, I found it to be also really entertaining. I mean, I had to chalk it up to the commentators they had. When the action, when there was something important happening on screen, the commentators were really well to actually educate the audience on what's going on. 
but also they brought a lot of fun and excitement. If you ever watched like Evo Tournament Championships, which is the fighting game championships, then it was uh, just as intense and exciting as those can be as well. Um, and it's also, I mean, it's created, it's almost there to being like a legitimate uh, sports entertainment package. I mean, they, this year, their prize pool was up to $24 million. The winning team, uh, they took home $10 million of that. And they even had uh, fantasy leagues that fans could actually uh, build out their favorite. Uh, they'd take their favorite players and build out their own Dota teams and compete with their friends. And whoever wins the most points at the end of the season is, you know, the fantasy league championship champion. So it's really neat to see how all these traditional sports elements intertwine into this more digital realm. Yeah, I, you know, and, and speaking of that, I definitely encourage people who aren't typically into e games to check out some of these larger scale um, uh, esport events. Um, it may sound like something that's fringe to you, especially if you're someone who doesn't participate in gaming lately. But as Brian was saying, e-gaming is a is really gaining some momentum throughout the world. You get these tournaments with massive payouts, um, with like actual teams that are starting to be bought out by sports teams owners, even here in the U.S. And France, who will be hosting the 2024 Olympics, have, their Olympic committee has already announced or recently announced that they're considering making um, certain esports an actual Olympic event during their Olympics. Um, so it's definitely worth taking a look at, even if you're not a gamer yourself. Uh, who knows, you might be surprised. Yeah, what's interesting about that is I like that they they look for nationalities in these esport teams, but a lot of these teams are actually very uh, multinational. Even like the, the quote-unquote U.S. team, Evil Genius, uh, like one person's from Pakistan, another person's from Canada, Another person's from Finland, and then you have two U.S. players on it. So could you call, really call it a U.S.-based team? Not really. But that's the cool thing about all those teams. They, it's the best of the best coming from all over the world to compete with one another. And it's uh, always good sportsmanship as well. Interesting. And I've, what I've, I've, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I've really gotten big into uh, competitive GOAT simulator. Uh, it's invigorating <laughs> to watch. This simulator is amazing. I am sticking with the gentleman. So, Gentleman Jack on the rocks and a nice cool glass. Uh, nothing better for a nice warm summer day or evening. Can't, can't get any classier than that. Um, so, uh, if you did, you might have to go to detention. Uh, speaking of detention, uh, let's talk to Bryland's left hand boy. Give it to me. Give hey, everybody. Yeah. Mook and Mike here. Happy to be with you all again today. Um, <laughs> as far as... I am not left-handed. I'm simply Bryland's left-hand boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, in terms of what I've been watching lately, I've actually been watching a lot of Voltron, a legendary defender. It's an anime and actually an original production of Netflix that is now on its third season. Um, a friend recommended it to me. I used to watch Voltron when I was a little kid, the original series. Um, and I checked out this Netflix version, and it's actually really impressed me. It's really, it's a pretty solid update in terms of, you know, speaking to younger generations and what they like in their animation. And it's got some great action in it as well. The animation in it is really fluid and surprisingly well executed, at least more so than I would have expected. Um, so shout out to Netflix for 
you know, putting out, putting the effort into this production, um, as well as updating the sense of humor and the character dialogue and their personalities to sort of suit a modern younger audience. Um, they did a really good job, and it's taken me by surprise so far. Um, as for what I've only I'm- watched uh, season one of that, but one of my favorite jokes in there was when they try to form Voltron for the first time, and they just make like a cheerleader pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it surprised me. There are actual moments where I've I've had I've begrudgingly chuckled, um, which is a weird sentence in and of itself. But uh, but yeah, it's worth a check out. I've been playing it in the background when I'm doing other things, um, quote unquote adult things like sweeping the floor. Um, so so it's been good so far though. Um, Full strokes on the the broom, or is it like? Oh, I got the- a good long stroke. Yeah, you did. When I'm sweeping the floor. Um, <laughs> As for what I'm drinking, I don't have any, like, wine or beer to share with you guys today. So instead, I poured myself a miserable-looking shot of tequila. Um, this is by a company called Altos. It is 100% agave tequila, hecho en Mexico. Um, and I'm going to hate it, but this goes out to everyone listening and to all of my fellow podcasters, shirtless or shirted. Cheers. 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 Uh, all right, that wasn't that bad. It's pretty good. Actually, really smooth. That was the tequila face right there. Oh, I'm going to regret this later. Discernible from my O face. <laughs> and speaking of regretting later, I am your host, Mike. Um, so I have been watching nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh, I was in a wedding over the weekend. Uh, if you check out our teaser, you can see my likeness in bobblehead form. And I've just basically been sitting looking at that for the entirety of the rest of the week. Um, what I'm drinking is apparently a rare beer. It's a Magic Hat number nine, uh, who the liquor store clerk had absolutely no idea what it was, even though you could find it pretty much everywhere. It blew my mind. I I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I would say I really had no time. The only thing I could do was just marathon our feature presentation. Um, so before we get into spoilers, I just want to kind of get a quick judge of the room, um, digitally speaking, of course, because we are not in the same room together. Uh, I want to see where we are with uh, our wet hot knowledge. Like, when did you get into it? You know, what else you've listened to or watched from these guys? Um, kind of on that. Uh, I guess let's go reverse order. Mike, where'd you start with these guys? Yeah. So I actually had the good fortune of seeing this film shortly after it came out in 2001 um this film i saw when they were when they would air it on comedy central after it left theaters um so it's very possible that it might have been early 2002 um but it was definitely when i was in high school and it was delightful i always had a really weird sense of humor um and this david wayne and his the michael ian black that whole michael showalter the three of them they're ideas on comedy speaks directly to my soul in terms of what i find funny um so yeah, I absolutely love the show, dating back to when it first 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 dropped. That's awesome, Brian. Um, I kind of found this uh, later after it uh, came out. Like I had heard its name passed around all the time. Like when I was a senior in college, I think it came out in theaters, but a lot of the freshmen saw it. I was like, I wonder what that is. I guess I'll watch it on VHS or DVD or something. Um, and I never got around to it. It wasn't until like probably about five or six years after that it popped up on Netflix. I wasn't doing anything one day, and I was like, eh, "Let's watch this." And it was actually a movie at first that 
intrigued me and I was kind of like what did I just watch and so I had to watch it again to actually enjoy it that kind of opened me up to go back to watch things like uh, The State and Stella and other uh, David Wayne comedies like that Brian did you did you watch the alternative cut that they did is that what you mean by watch it a second time no I watched um I watched it twice in a row, and the first time I didn't realize my brain couldn't process what was on the screen. Uh, but uh, it was uh, after I watched it again, I was like, you know, I, I really like these characters and what they're doing here, uh, and uh, the odd sense of humor that came about it. Uh, and one thing to note about the movie is like one thing Warren mentioned during Atomic Blonde was having uh, same sex scenes in movies and stuff and the original movie actually had a same sex uh, scene with two guys that wasn't played for laughs or anything it was actually let's show these two guys well no it was definitely a shock factor it it also made for a shock factor but the way they played it was like hey watch these two guys fall in love type of thing right well through just invigorating anal penetration Uh, (laughs) oh by the way shout out so everybody out there who's been riding that Bradley Cooper train for the past few years, screw y'all, because I've been on that since oh, right? 2001. <laughs> he was in the Stella sh- So they lifted that scene. Uh, the scene in Wet Hot was lifted from a Stella short before. Like when they were doing it as a comedy troupe, they shot these like weird, ob- obscure little videos. And they had one called Yard Work where <laughs> it was like it was the guy hired like Michael Ian Black and then they just end up banging in the shed and then like Satan's involved, like Satan comes out. It's a really weird thing, but it plays a very, very pre-famous Bradley Cooper. And then uh, it's even before, because didn't Wet Hot come out and then like two years later, uh, The Hangover came out, I think. I think it was so. very, it was like very close where, but the Stella shorts were even way before that. That and then they just lifted it over. Um, the only reason I ask about your second time watching it is because I accidentally let the uh, DVD just autoplay to the next part of it, and it was the alternative cut, which is literally the same exact movie except they insert farts into it. Yeah. So like they just overdubbed <laughs> the that. movie themselves with just fart sounds, and that's it. There's literally no extra scenes. There's nothing else. Just fart sounds, and it's amazing. Yeah, and I think there's also like a documentary on the making of, but I think it's also that documentary has enough footage to be its own second movie from different perspectives. Yeah, and I mean we could talk about that later in our in our wins, but they definitely they had that you know available to them in this series. Uh, Warren, what about you? Any sort of like past history with the? Uh, the state guys? Uh, I mean, kind of barely. Uh, great friend of the show, Dylan Cochran, uh, introduced me, I think, to this. I definitely heard about it kind of loosely, but it was just like one of those things that uh, I think it's like a cult sort of uh, approach to like this. Particular, it is, it's a certain particular comedy that I sit there and I'm like, you know, this is, I can see how it's funny, but it's kind of like not for me but all right like i'll give it a shot so i think i watched wet hot with him like one summer either last year or the year before and then they came out with like the first day uh i don't even i don't even remember all of the regular movie of wet summer because i was like it's, we were probably drinking and it's like eh, it's not for me i didn't watch the first day of camp 
Um, so I guess going into this one, I'm like, I really don't get a lot of these references. There's a lot of things that are funny that I thought was pretty cool. And that's like, they're, they're funny for the sake of being funny. I was like, all right, awesome, cool. But the moment they introduced a new character, I was like, well, I know who this person is, but I don't, I don't get why this is like a big deal sort of thing. Um, so not too much, but I still had fun with it. I still enjoyed a lot of the moments that they actually had of it. So yeah, that was all pretty cool. So I'll just say this. In high school, uh, I think my favorite show was Stella. Like, I absolutely lost it every Thursday night um, for that very, very short-lived TV show. Um, I think I actually saw Wet Hot somehow because I'm terrible with the internet and, like, looking things up, looking up related things. Uh, I somehow saw Wet Hot, I think, like, a, a year or two later when I was in college, like I some I just missed it completely out of all of the things. Like I think I watched The State before I watched Stella. Um, it was it made no sense whatsoever. But yeah, I, I remember I watched it and then watched First Day of Summer when it came out. Um, the day of, I think I marathoned it, and I actually did not know that it was happening until they released the only trailer they released for it, which is probably a good thing because. Uh, as we were talking about a little bit before, uh, like there's so much out there that there's a good chance I would just flat out miss this for like months until someone's like, "Oh, yo, did you catch that?" Um, because there was no hype, whatever, whatsoever. Like all these A-listers came out and shot this thing, and there was almost no advertisement. There was no like, "Hey, we're doing this. Go watch it." Uh, type movement. It just had that one trailer that I absolutely lost it when Amy Poehler told Logan to go fuck himself. Like, that was, you know, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, you know, that, and then they do that quick cut that's just like, fuck you, Logan. Well, fuck you. And, and at that point, I was like, they're back. This is going to be awesome. It's so <laughs> sweet. I'm ready for like three weeks from now. Um, but cool. So it sounds like we have a bit of a different background on it. Uh, so I'd be really interested about hearing our wins and criticisms uh, first, I want to pause it. Uh, truthfully, this is probably the easiest binge I've ever gone on on Netflix. They're all 20 to 25 minute long episodes, and it's eight episodes. It took me under four hours to do. It was awesome. It was an afternoon, and I was done. Um, so I would say stop right now because we are definitely going to spoil it. Uh, I would say there's nothing to spoil because nothing really matters in the end. But do yourself, like, don't be surprised or be surprised by all the jokes because some of the humor is certainly out of left field and I don't want to ruin it for anyone. So we'll pause. We'll come back in a minute or two and then we'll talk about some spoilers for What Hot American Summer 10 years later.
you start interneting sound, it's not, it, it has some amazing results. Welcome on Dancing Fonson podcast and better. Uh, <laughs> and welcome back to the Down in Front podcast. Yay! Yay! Uh, so we're going to launch into spoilers. Uh, hopefully not in German because my German is <laughs> limited to Wir trinken Bier and Wir haben Bier. That's it. That's all I can do. Don't ask for any more. It's pretty good. Um, so let's do this. Let's talk about wins first and then uh, surprise, we'll talk about some criticisms. Uh, let's go to Bryland. Let's start with you for some wins. Alrighty. So I'm going to kind of break this down into my favorite characters and what I thought they did well. So I have to say my favorite characters out of the Wet Hot series. Um, number one with a bullet is Andy, Paul Rudd's character. Uh, this guy is my spirit animal. Uh, he is what I want to be when I grow up. And it was great to see him uh, be in a situation where he was still the, he thinks he's cool, but he's actually a total jerk uh, character. But also he's kind of starting to face that somewhat. Um, and he, what, what I love about this is like Paul Rudd still brought it. I mean, he, it's amazing that all of these characters that they started at this movie where there are no names are all kind of in the A-list now. And he is making Marvel superhero films and he'll still take time to come back and do this small little thing and still bring what needs to be done for this small little thing. So the, uh, the King of the Camp uh, contest against Deegs was amazing. Um, and also uh, when he actually shows that he grew up and having uh, a kid and being responsible and coming back at the end for the reunion, uh, just showing up and saying, like, this is my girlfriend and my child, <laughs> and then peaced out. I was like, this is perfect ending to who that character is. Uh, it's sometimes like, great to have, like, a character have a non-arc. Like, it's, yeah. he's the, exactly the same person as you left off from the beginning, and that's perfectly okay in that mm. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like how he was introduced. They always introduce him as a badass, and like to see him as uh, Andy doing donuts, and that was like a donut game. He's just chopping on donuts and all like super fat now. Uh, it was good to see, like, hey, he thinks he's still cool, but in like the most schlubby ways possible. Um, but also, Gene uh, Christopher Maloney is amazing as Gene. Um, ever since I saw him hump a fridge in a. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer. He's been one of my favorite characters. And it was really cool to see him uh, living in a trailer down by the beach with his fridge. <laughs> and it's, uh, and the whole, like, super spy element that they introduced in, in um, First Day of Camp to his character, I think, added a lot to this continuation. And partnering him up with uh, Chris Pine, uh, it, Chris Pine's a uh, rocker character and Jason Schwartzman as the camp counselor you never see again after the first day of camp. Uh, I thought it made for a really cool uh, way of uh, having like a good guy element that was behind the scenes trying to make sure the camp didn't get blown up by a nuclear weapon. Um, nice. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in here is... Uh, 
when uh, Neil showed uh, Victor how to have sex <laughs> on an empty mattress. Um, <laughs> that that just uh, laughed my ass off because I mean the way uh, Kim Marino is a brilliant physical comedy genius, and the way he was doing that was amazing. You're doing it, Vic. You're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and just the encouragement from Neil was. <laughs> Top notch too. Joe Latrulio, he's amazing as well. Um, I love the inside joke about Bradley Cooper not coming back. And I like that it goes beyond the nose job thing. So having uh, the guy from Parks and Rec uh, come in to play the Bradley Cooper character is brilliant. But also this like running joke of like my um, my blueprints, my blueprints are unorganized and stuff. It sounds like there's a little bit more to that discussion with Bradley Cooper of trying to get him back that he might have said something about, like, he has a blueprint for success and this wasn't part of it or something. Yeah. So they probably add that in. Nice. Um, well, I loved how that wasn't addressed ever. That the, the blueprint didn't matter. It didn't <laughs> pay off in the end. It was just a non-sequitur to, like, have him be stressed out. I also agree with you that I thought that was the best recast I've ever seen in yeah. my entire life. You, you can you can take all these famous actors and swap them in and out for each other, but the fact that it, they're like, oh, you got this, you got your septum repaired. You look great. You look great. <laughs> like, like, better. <laughs> it's like that's all that matters. Yeah. You can sleep easier now, and it's a completely different person. Except for all the pictures were Bradley Cooper. <laughs> so Bradley Cooper definitely gave them their blessing because they had a bunch of stuff and they had flashbacks and stuff. And then it was just it was Ben Wyatt. Then from there, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact about that: Adam Scott, uh, the guy who played who played who played uh, Bradley Cooper's replacement, um, didn't know when he joined the team what role he was going to play. Like David Wayne just hit him up and said, "Hey, do you want to do Wet Hot with us?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Great, come to set." And when he showed up, they said, "Okay, you're playing <laughs> Bradley Cooper." <role." laughs> well, that was in the that was in the like the production release schedule too. Is they didn't announce who he was going to play, so he you know even to the public. It was like, plus Adam Scott as someone. And so it was definitely a welcome like, oh, I know who that is. What? Why is it? Who's he playing? Oh, is he playing? <laughs> I was really hoping for another follow-up sex scene, though. You know, that would have been... Yeah, just top it off. Just yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You always have touch each other. But um, I also, uh, also think... Uh, just it's John Benjamin. He's always great in anything he does, and uh, he's been playing a can of vegetables for the majority of this uh, series. <laughs> and that voice of his is just amazing. And just seeing him say like he'd like uh, some eggs and a side of hot buns to the lady at the diner, and then just having sex with her as a can of vegetables just <laughs> blew my mind. Oh my god, it was the craziest thing I think I've ever seen. It was. Fantastic, uh, and um, I did kind of like the impersonations. I like the impersonations of the presidents that they're not really on point. They're kind of weird, twisted impersonations. Like this Ronald Reagan is just the goofiest. Like I want to be uh, badass Ronald Reagan, and the George Bush is just like a whiny little twerp. <laughs> it's I mean Michael William Black and Michael Shea Walter do a great job with those impersonations. Uh, but there are some great uh, new additions, too. Um, I think J- Jai Courtney, a.k.a. Uh, poor man's Tom Hardy, uh, he actually did a really good job as this, like, uh, friend of... Uh, could help me with the name. 
Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler's character. Uh, that uh, they were, he's like obsessed in love with her, and he really played that off really well. But at the first time he gets a big gig to fall in, he just like throws her to the side. And he's like, he could have. I mean, it's like I know it was meant to last, but you know things just happen very briefly. And he's just like very like sophisticated actor about it, and but also just a total idiot at the same time. It's good to see that. And then Alyssa Milano as Renata. Um, she was brilliant. Just like you'd think you'd look at her and she'd be kind of psychopathic, but it's like, is she really? <laughs> like, when she was practicing with the knife in the hardware store and it looked like she was going to be a serial killer, but when she cut the cake at the party, just exactly how she practiced <laughs> with it. Oh my God. It was, it was the best stuff. Wait, you guys uh, don't cut your cake? Horizontally, <laughs> I don't. Y- y'all hold are weird. Like, y'all I don't hold weird. it from the back of the cake. It's, it's so <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it, those were some of uh, my favorite wins of it. It was a lot of fun to watch this. Um, and one big win overall, I would say, it was also good to see that I was kind of like when I first started watching it, it's like okay. These people are just normally getting back together in camp. I kind of had the same feelings when I first watched the first film. And then they started just throw in the little craziness just here and here. And then it just started to just cascade into total craziness by like the third episode. Nice. Warren, what are some of your wins? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have to echo a lot of stuff with uh, Brylin says, especially because I was, you know, I didn't know a lot of this backstory. I, I didn't, I wasn't sure if Adam Scott. I knew that that I knew that was supposed to be Bradley Cooper's role. I kind of remember him in the movie, but I wasn't sure of if he was like a different character. So I was like, that's kind of funny. I like how they at least kind of set it up. I thought for sure at one point, like maybe Bradley Cooper was gonna come back like, later on as a different character, just because like they just do like a why not moment of him playing somebody else completely i thought that'd be kind of funny but you know uh warren you know i had the exact same thought i was just like he's gonna show up especially when they're like oh wait on this guy i was yeah. like here comes bradley cooper or it would have been funny yeah. if you if he would have like pulled a mask off and he was wearing like adam scott's mask or something like that like, <laughs> something stupid something very silly like that someone punched him in the face and like his nose job was ruined or something yeah <laughs> um, but you know, I thought it was still really funny. I, I love like the bits. I just love like a lot of these comedic moments and these comedic elements all throughout the actual um, sort of TV shows, like movie now, TV show as well. Like uh, you had mentioned uh, something earlier, um, blew it up. You know the Joe oh, man, what's his name? What's his name? Latrulio. Yeah, Latrulio. Joe Latrulio. Dude's awesome. Like, he's he, just so funny. His hair is just ridiculous, and how like him and Vic was just by far like a very hilarious sort of duo I think that was kind of funny as well and I just like the, the just the ridiculous just the ridiculous that they actually have throughout the entire one I do really I think by far I enjoyed the scenes of H. John Benjamin as the can of vegetables and I think every time he was on, on screen it was just something ridiculous especially when he's like doing recon and you can see like the woman going down like the elevator he's just sitting there and he's just like, slowly inching it i was like wait how, <laughs> how how is this a thing like wh- how does this happen uh and they were even fighting you know he was fighting christopher maloney's character in the uh sort of um 
trailer uh, that fight scene was just ridiculous so I think that was just just really enjoyed uh, just everybody I just I, I love the fact that they can I, I and I'm also really wondering you know how much of this was like improv how much of this was scripted because um, it felt like it was just they had a lot of fun I think one of my favorite moments was uh, Logan and uh, Susie's like theater battle off sort of like sequence there like they just went through and just talking about like a bunch of actual scenes and like things and monologues that I've done or like plays that I've done I was like this is hilarious because these this are the things that people sort of argue about so uh, that was probably one of my favorite uh, moments besides like we, we'll, we'll talk about the ending and like the fight sequences and stuff like that were just ridiculous so that was pretty cool nice Mocha what are your some of your wins yeah so you know, this the show was delightful for me. Um, when it comes to Wet Hot, or really anything that David Wayne, Michael Showalter, and Michael Ian Black have worked on, the thing is that their sense of humor is their sense of humor. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, um, and it's not for everybody. You either get it or you just don't get the humor, and it just doesn't work. Um, but if you do get the humor, this is a really nice addition to the collection of their other works, like Stella um, and so on. Um, and they were there, you know, this show was weird and the humor was irreverent and goofy and absurd and things happen for no reason. And it's funny because there's no reason for it to happen. And that's what I love about Wet Hot. Um, you know, we already talked about it a little bit, but the explanation for Bradley Cooper, Cooper's absence is absolutely hilarious. Um, the fact that they make no effort whatsoever to really hide, to hide the fact or gloss over it. They just have all the characters acknowledge that he that he had a septum problem, which was never mentioned at any other point in the show. Um, and I think Amy Poehler's character even goes out of her way to say, you know, you look even better now after the nose job, which is objectively wrong. Sorry, Adam Scott, but Bradley Cooper is significantly more attractive than you are. That's your, that's your opinion, and that's okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, fu- I'd be hard-pressed to find someone to say otherwise. I would, take, I would take Ben Wyatt all day, every day. Oh, wow. Who is right. Ben Wyatt? Adam Scott. That's Adam, Adam Scott's Scott. character in Parks and Rec. Oh, just about the pillow talk the pillow talk would be amazing anyways go on <laughs> anyway um, Christopher Maloney Brian as he mentioned earlier he continues to be the funniest person in the room in any comedic scenario whatsoever he's um, amazing because he's not known for his comedy he's not known and it still surprises me every time but he's always just so much funnier than everyone else and it seems so effortless on his part whether it was in the original movie where he kept uh, Freudian having these Freudian slips where he would say weird things like like I want to fondle your sweaters um, instead of finding a way made and cheddar, <laughs> like things like that. Um, or if it was in this ep- you know show where he is brought face to face with his daughter, who is literally dressed exactly the way he was dressed, not just in this show, but from when he was a counselor or a, a chef uh, cook back in the original movie, and just completely not recognizing it at all. Um, he's still just so funny and so well, effortless. That joke seems like it was written when they first introduced the character, the whole Eugene. Yeah. No, you like literally this is this is there was a movie fifteen years ago, there was a prequel, and now this is the sequel, and you're now paying off with a Eugene joke. Are you kidding me? Like it seems like it's like, cool, we're gonna write this script, this crazy character, we need a name. Oh well we have this joke that we can do a Eugene like thing, so we'll make him Gene. But no, this is literally 16 episodes later that they did this plus a movie it, it i don't i don't know how you worked that out in between it yeah i don't know how you worked that out but that was i, I was losing it for that part yeah 
Yeah, that's the thing. You know, a lot of times with David Wayne's sense of humor, he plays a long con. Um, and you saw that in this season, too. You know, the whole idea of McKinley and Ben's characters, um, you know, they're in a loving relationship and they're having this really interesting situation where McKinley doesn't trust the nanny and he thinks he's a, she's a psycho murderer nanny and you keep going up and down with thinking that she is or thinking that she isn't, thinking that she is and then finally she winds up attacking him and they have this really epic fight that's clearly not done by them, it's clearly done by stunt actors <laughs> and he kills the nanny and they both bury her in the yard together and then at the end of the movie you find out that it was all a joke and that the nanny was in on it and they just have to live with the knowledge of having murdered somebody for the rest of the show and in every single scene you can tell how burdened they are by the by the by the thought of their secret sin that's like that's classic david wayne um and it just killed me like every time they showed their faces after they realized that they murdered an innocent person it just made me break out in laughter yeah or they took the two characters from the beginning of the movie when you see cars driving in that are etching their names in the tree and they made a whole like lovers like relationship issue about it in this movie they uh-huh. made those characters into something where you well, actually get to know those characters. So I was, I was going to talk about that in the original, or in my wins. Um, that scene never existed in the original movie. Did it not? Yeah, they they okay. literally merged. Uh, well, I'll talk about it more, more in this. But yeah, I, I thought, I love how Ian Black turned from like, this worry wart to here's what we're gonna do we're gonna cut off her hands and we're gonna cut off her legs and <laughs> then we'll, leg. we'll, we'll drive the head home with us like he has this whole crazy plan all thrown out and then the best part is when they're at the firewood grill later on at the very end of the show and everyone's sitting around having really happy conversations and it's cutting between everyone and everyone's laughing and then it cuts to McKinley and Ben and Ben goes, goes I can't stop thinking of her face and McKinley just says this is our life now and, <laughs> and that's their last line in the entire show it's so funny to me oh man but um, so yeah, like you were saying, Mike, there's so many meta references within this where they're just kind of laughing at themselves and at the things that are really obvious. Whether it's as we mentioned already, you know, Bradley Cooper's character being replaced by Adam Scott, everyone just acts as if it's that's how that's there's nothing unusual about that. But then every time you see a picture of Bradley Cooper's character in a frame, whether it's at their apartment in the beginning or on the collage during their anniversary, it's always Bradley Cooper's actual face pasted on the board. <laughs> um, the fact that, the, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, there were the new characters that were part of this film had origin scenes that were spliced into the flashback memories from the original movie just to establish them for this movie, even though they were obviously never at any other part in any of the other sh- like sh- episodes or, or, or feature films. Um, it just does such a good job at poking fun of itself. And that's one of the great things about, you know, about, about David Wade and his comedy style. Also, too, you know, this... The Ten Years Later series went out of its way to bring back all the little elements that it possibly could from the previous shows. So even little things like in the original movie, you would hear anytime something was thrown or something was dropped, you'd hear like glass shatter. The pots breaking. It was, it's a pot <laughs> sound. Like I was losing my mind for that. Yeah, they brought that back. They brought back a lot of the out, you know the similar outfits. They still had you know the callback scenes too when. Coop and Katie are talking about their feelings. They're in the goat shack. And also, why is there a shack of goats in this camp? That's never Because represented. why not? <laughs> sure. The, Can't uh, firewood. It has them. 
a super like like meta thing that they read, or maybe it wasn't even meta, but just was sort of breaking the fourth wall. Was for the entirety of the series, the campers and the counselors all had these chants that everyone knew, but never existed anywhere else, and they used them <laughs> constantly. Like we opened the show saying "Walla Walla Who." Walla walla hey, and like they would just keep on going, and it never existed, and it killed me. Oh, that 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 wasn't a thing. No, yeah, there was there was a couple things that I was like, wait, it like honestly messed with my memory a little bit to be like, no, that existed in the original movie. No, it didn't. Like yeah. the that like, like the what spirit I, of camp firewood. I don't know yeah. nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And they people like walking backwards. They walking like, yeah. walk. <laughs> walking backwards, touching the totem. I was like, yeah. See, it, it's so funny. I'm glad we can all talk about this because I'm like, oh, I, I mean, I really need to go watch this movie again. That I, I kept really think, like thinking that in my head, and now I'm like, oh. That really ups the com- comedic uh, elements of this because they just literally just put that in, and everybody's gonna be like, "Did I miss something?" And it, yeah. it's like it's like nope. the biggest troll. Nope. It's hilarious. Yeah, and they, and they blended it so well because you can't tell what are the references, the really clear references, to the old movies, and what aren't. Like something simple, the move, like the uh, one of the first scenes in the series is Beth and Nancy, the camp director and the and the camp nurse, sitting on like this on steps, talking to each other as they wait for the campers to, to to come out for the day, and that's how the movie opens, and the you know the original movie opens up. Um, just was, these really that was a great callback. Yeah, all these really cool callback shots mixed in with all these things that never had anything to do with the series whatsoever. It just gave it the light bulb, like like Warren said, this overall troll effect um, to the show. Um, so yeah, it was it was just delightful, man. You know, like I said, if you if you like Michael Ian Black, if you like David Show or Michael Showalter and David Wade and their writing styles, this movie's gonna give you plenty of jokes to laugh at. And also, it'll give you a lot of jokes that are that'll be way funnier to you later on when you think of it, like after the fact. Um, one of my favorite jokes from the entire series, and I, I I die every time I think of it, is when Vic is um, going to have sex with or help impregnate that woman. I can't remember her name, and it's his first time having sex, so he's really uh, nervous. And he excuses himself to go to the bathroom, and he's like, "It's all right, it's fine. You have nothing to be worried about. This is sex. It's not scary. It's just normal." And then he steps out, and Yaron and Yana are wearing realistic masks <laughs> of their own faces. <laughs> and he just says, "Why are you wearing realistic masks of your own faces?" And their their excuses: "Oh, everybody wears masks." And it's super creepy looking and just terrifying. And the thought of poor, the poor guy like hyping himself up. And then stepping out to see that and have that be his first sexual experience is just like, it just gets me. I don't know. These guys, I love David Wayne. I love his sense of humor. And uh, I love, I could watch shows like this over and over. So Euron might have been one of my favorite, like, obvious stunt doubles in the entire show where he would, he would like roll in on that, uh, the, the, what is the big hula hoop thing that actor uh, or acrobat people ride in on? Yeah, it's a hula hoop. But it's huge. Like, you literally, it looked like yeah. Westworld where you, like, twisted around. And it was just so obviously not him. And then it would just <laughs> cut. And then he'd be like, ugh. And he'd be like, come on. And like, doing the like, devil sticks thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it's like, a, it's not like, it's like, they might as well had like a black dude playing him with the, the amount of just, it, they didn't care to find anyone that looked like him whatsoever it, it, you if it was any other filmmaker or writer you would find it offensive 
but it's it's David Wayne, so it's just like, yep, that's just how he's gonna make it. None of the stunt <laughs> stunt guys are gonna look anything anything like what they they are. Um, I thought a couple of things uh, as we've been saying before. It's it's fan service, fan service, fan service. This movie did a great job of blending the lore of the original movie and First Day at Camp together. Like they had characters and callbacks from both of them, which. You know, in talking about other series, uh, something like Star Wars, where, you know, the latest movie made nearly, well, excuse me, Force Awakens made nearly minimal references to the prequels. Um, It could have gone down that path. They didn't. They said, like, all right, this had artistic merit. Let's make references to it, Um, which is awesome. Um, They just, the amount of callbacks was incredible. I think that. They added fourth wall breaking to this this run. Like I don't really remember it being from the first couple ones. My personal favorite was when uh, I thought they weren't going to include David Hyde Pierce's character at all. You know, they referenced him being like away with a daughter. You know, at something. I was like, oh, that sucks. Like they couldn't get him. And then he comes in. He says four lines. And then takes this off and is like, thanks, I guess you don't need me anymore. Turns around, grabs his Emmy, and then clutches <laughs> it and walks away. Like, that was the greatest cameo I've Like, not even cameo, he was like a main cast member. Like, he just, that blew my freaking mind. And the amount of times they would just talk to the camera and say these non sequiturs that really didn't even fill you in on anything in the plot. Like, uh... Like, like Kristen Wiig's character being as a pointless and obnoxious here as she was in First Day of Camp. <laughs> that yeah. or or when they were packing and they were talking about their respective love lives. And then um, it was not Susie, not Claire. Who's the – oh, Abby. Abby was just like, let's go back to packing, unpacking now. And they all just like nope. – and, and like didn't say a word and just started taking things out of their suit. Like – there was some Nancy said that too. Nurse uh, Nancy, she was just like, "Hey, I'm going to interrupt you to do this storyline." Or uh, Showalter when he's like, "Yeah, do you remember that back in episode two? Like, there was so many things that that were just directly talking to the audience that I don't think they've done before, and that was that had me rolling around. Um, I thought that like. Again, all the characters were absolutely precious. Like they, David Wayne has this ability to scope these terrible human being characters that you absolutely feel for. And I, like Andy and all his blustering, Coop, he's pathetic, but he's also just like, you know, you're rooting for him, even though you kind of aren't rooting for him because it's funnier when he loses out with Katie. Like every single person you both root and don't root for because they're both heinous individuals and very relatable and it's just so david wayne to do um let's see i i thought one thing i also have to say is we've talked a lot about having like storylines get resolved and how bad it is when storylines aren't resolved i thought it was amazing that they called out every bullshit little part of their own show like in that whole end sequence they're like yeah what about this what about this what about this and they're like uh because that's literally what people do when they skype in and talk to their friends about movies transformers (laughs) michael bay they sit and nitpack 
every little thing that happens in these movies, they're like, well, why did they do this? Why did they do this? And they literally just called out every stupid thing. And like, oh, yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of like how it was, I guess. Uh, like, I thought that was amazing. And transitioning to criticisms, the thing I'd like to say about criticisms is none of them are valid. Absolutely none of them are. <laughs> this, was, this is literally just a thing that David Wayne wrote. And it's like, all right, well, this is how it's going to go. It's going to be stupid as hell. It's not going to make any sense to anyone unless you like my style of comedy. The plot is irrelevant. The pro- plot doesn't matter. Uh, there's characters, but the characters also don't matter. There you go. I loved every bit of it. But also there was some criticisms, and I'm going to launch into that right now. Uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade. So we talked about the hardware store. This is the <laughs> biggest one. I literally I stopped watching it for like a good 20 minutes and stewed on this because I remember as a young lad seeing Mike's Hard Lemonade and be commercials and be like, oh, this is the new big thing. And I was like, fun fact, I don't think that was uh, when this movie came out or came out. Uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade was introduced in Canada in 1996. This is incredibly important and is a very valid criticism. Um, The movie takes place in 91. So how did Mike's Hard Lemonade end up in the movie? Get yourself crazy, though. I saw Mike's Hard Lemonade first time probably in 97. Well, no, it came out in 99 in the the regular American. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I looked it up. I was like, I know this is wrong. How do you know this? I need to that's interesting oh, that it debuted in Canada and kind of makes a lot of sense that Mike's Hard Lemonade, like the gentlest way to get drunk, <laughs> came out in Canada. I swear yep. I drank one when I was underage, so it had to be like in 97. I think everyone drank one when they're underage. It's yeah. just a very like, really? oh no, I definitely did. It was just like, oh, we're drinking alcohol. And then you look back later, you're like, man, candy. never reference the Thank fact you. that you drank that again. That's <laughs> he says it on a nationally syndicated podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're not syndicated, but we are international. Shout out to our two UK listeners. Well, my brother listens to this in Japan. Do it. I hear we're big in Japan. Says everyone ever, because it's the easiest joke ever to make. I am super so too. <laughs> I'm not, I'm <laughs> I just got that five five, but way to rub it in. Um, so I thought that um, one big thing I will say uh, is that the plot stretched in the sixth and early seventh episode. Like I thought they added the Ginny character just to have a convenient way to have twenty five minutes of will they or won't they interactions between Coop and Katie and. In the end, it just felt like it was put in there just to pad time. Like, it was like Netflix said, hey, you need to make three and a half hours of content at least. It's going to be a super movie. And they're like, all right, well, yeah, we can stretch this storyline to an hour and a half, which would make it more than a movie and just not release a movie. Um, and I thought there was that was the biggest one, but there was definitely other things that kind of dragged and didn't really add anything even to the non-existent whatever plot line. Um, and so the pacing, only in those middle, it seems like a common criticism of Netflix, realistically, that like they have these great ideas and they have great 
set pieces to open their shows and have great set pieces to end their shows. And then somehow are like, well, we need to be a television show because we're a TV company, not like straight up movie company. So please add like three episodes in the middle that just expand on something. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about this in every single one of the Marvel ones. Every uh, Most of the ones that we kind of mentioned in our What You've Been Watching have also, I feel like, have suffered from that in-between like plot drag, um, which is kind of an interesting company-wide thing, I think. Um, the other thing is that I, I felt that as a result, because they stretch, they made it more individual character based. Like every episode you could almost describe as having a main character rather than uh, an ensemble piece. And I really truly believe that this works as seeing the characters interact with each other, not have them do their own episodic adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't as bad as the newest season of Arrested Development, which because all their actors and actresses got way famouser, had to work around booking, uh, had to shoot it that way. It didn't feel that bad, but it definitely felt along that that path. Um, and as one last thing, I, I want to say that the, the age joke wasn't as funny for me. Um, I thought that it was funnier having people in their late 30s play early te- or mid-teenagers um, whereas people in their 40s playing people that are 26 didn't quite resonate with me, um, partially because I am only a little older than the characters that they were playing, and that aging sucks. The first time I saw these people, they all were in like late 20s, early 30s, and looked very young and vibrant, and now they're all visibly old, <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I also aged in that time, and now I'm old. Especially and it's like, Michael Walter. Yeah, it's like, oh "Oh my god, you look like you're ready for AARP. What do I look like? (laughs) The best thing is, the best thing is after the movie, Michael Showalter just decided to love hamburgers and like, (laughs) good on him. Put on a couple pounds. It doesn't matter. The funniest thing about the uh, wet hot, um, the first day of camp was when Michael Showalter's character Coop shows up. He's like clearly overweight, where he was skinny as a twig when he was in the original movie. And I thought that it was like a bit, and that they were going to have a and have him actually dramatically lose weight for the last episode, so that way he would roll into the movie. But no, he's just like like a larger, older guy, and they just decide to run with it because it's funny to them. I, I wish that you couldn't just describe every single criticism with, well, they went with it because it's just funny to them. Because literally yeah. everything there is like, it's like, yep, the age thing is just they found it hilarious, so they just threw it in there. They thought magically the, Paul Rudd looked younger after 15 years. <laughs> well, Paul Rudd is a national treasure. He is a national treasure. He's the vampire also. Yeah. All right, enough of me. Enough of me ranting about like arbitrary stuff uh, that in the end doesn't matter because it's wet hot. Um, Let's go to Warren. Uh, you got any sort of criticisms for this? I mean, it's definitely tough to have criticisms uh, for I have, like, the least amount of knowledge of it. Um, I definitely can echo what you're saying. I really felt like even this was, I think, eight episodes. I did feel myself saying, damn, this is not over yet. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that I think they tried to put into it. Um, even with, like, 
I felt like they could have incorporated um, Elizabeth Banks' character a little bit differently, right? Like, with the introduction to that, the introduction to that, that really kind of dragged on a couple things that could have just been, like, a split-screen sort of, like, hey, this is what she's doing in the background, and that and that definitely could have cut down a bunch of things, and um, just tightening it up or kind of keep it... I think they definitely dragged on for comedic effect or just overall just ridiculousness uh, that I think it may suffer it, uh, but I mean maybe not maybe not as much right it's probably not that bad um, I just think they wanted to try to give like you said uh, blew it like now everybody on this uh, set now are way more famous than they were you know 10 15 years ago so I think people really wanted it, their time to shine a little bit um, even with the the majority of the scenes with the Michael Ian Black's character and Adam Scott's character and uh, Alyssa, Alyssa Milano's character they really they really focus on that so much more is that they were actually like the main characters I felt they ended up being the main characters Coop uh, and like that love interest ended up being like kind of secondary characters and then there's just a, a bunch of other stuff happened and I, would, I like to see a more of an ensemble piece of everybody has equal screen time if everybody has equal screen time you can kind of cut it down it can be more concise more concise means it's more funnier and then i think those jokes especially in a succession of boom 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 boom, boom you know you have a lot of those funnier moments all together i think it'll be uh, that i think that would have been a little bit uh, better suited for it uh, but at the same time, you know, a lot of comedy comes from awkward silences and pauses, too. So it depends, right? And it, it depends on if it works for you, if it works for anybody else. And I think David Waynes has a particular sort of uh, comedic style, comedic approach to what he wanted to do. And so he ended up doing what he wanted to do and what he thought was right. So I think, you know, you can only kind of applaud him for that. And I'm, I'm glad he made it. Uh, I just think there there's just some moments that just last a bit too long uh, and you know, it's tough to say, you know, was Chris Pine and Jason Schwartzman's character, have they ever showed up before? Uh, they were in first day of camp. Yeah, yeah, the whole, like, that whole thing actually just did happen. Okay, yeah. so I think even... Chris Pine's character sings a song at the end of first day of camp. Okay. It's amazing. Uh, it's, like, the amount of time that that was put towards it, and, like, the, the nuclear and like, all that stuff, I'm like that's a lot of time for something so small uh arguably right they had arguably chris pine's character had probably more than joe latruglia's character uh and maybe you could even say like maybe even vic's character who that that should have been like vic was kind of sprinkled throughout here and there but i mean not not too much uh and so i was like hmm, that's kind of weird i think that it was an ensemble piece because you know also the you know, H. Uh, H. John H. H. John Benjamin. Yeah, I'll, I'll John, John H. Benjamin. No, H. John Benjamin's character and Christopher Maloney's character were with them also, so I can see that it's like a, a bit of an ensemble piece there. But you know, oh, overall, like I don't have too many criticisms beside the things that you necessarily mentioned, Mike. Uh, I did thought it was weird. Uh, I noticed. I looked at it, but I didn't say anything. I thought it was very funny that you said something about the Mike's Heart Lemonade, but I'm like, hmm. I wonder if they even cared of some of the things that they're going to put in the background because that wasn't necessarily out yet or uh, they keep they kept mentioning like what year it was or what time it was or oh hey like I, I think you know going back to a, a win right she has like this fanny pack she says I'll have all these DVDs and she pulls out like four or five 
DVDs from the fanny pack. I thought that was very funny. Uh, just like it's just a sight gag of uh, a thing. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But uh, speaking of one quick win about times, just because you just triggered this, uh, I like that we didn't find out what happened to McKinley at eleven o'clock. Like yes. they were about to say, it's like literally. <laughs> it was like the it, the whole point of this show was based on the comment they had in the last scene of the movie, and it was like, no, nah, I gotta be. I'm somewhere at eleven, and they talked about it like four different times. Of like, yeah, whatever happened to McKinley at eleven? They're like, oh, funny story, and then it would cut away to something else, and then they'd be like, yeah, McKinley at eleven, and nothing. Just never actually told us. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be all my uh, criticisms for uh, the movie. And I'm sure that I'm probably going to chime in a couple more times because I'm trying to even remember. I'm like, I was just very, I guess the majority of me was just very lost of, I don't know if I can like or dislike this moment because I just don't have enough information uh, for it. And I just want to judge it fairly. Fair enough. Uh, Bryland's criticisms. Uh, yeah, my criticism kind of goes along with uh, Warren's where, like, what you thought was going to be the background subplot kind of actually became the main plot and was the main focus, which was the uh, president's plot to blow up Camp Firewood. That I think they spent too much time on that. Um, I think that some characters, like, even though they had their moments like Jenny and Deeks, uh, kind of unnecessary because I wanted them to continue that coup uh uh, Andy and Katie uh, like triangle see was there going to be a grand finale like if there's any two people that should have gone head to head it would have been Coop and Andy and that never really happened they kind of separated Andy made us do his own small thing and I kind of th- and I was kind of bummed that Andy didn't get as much to do and that could have been about scheduling because yeah all these car- all these actors now they are like top cats in what they're doing um and uh, I would also say that uh, that uh, yeah, it, there were other relationships to focus on. They made it more about like getting these characters back together and focus on where they grew. I think that have been good to see. Uh, and um, I want to say like um, yeah, it's it is just uh, kind of weird to uh, have everything focus on the presidents and everything else got kind of shifted to the background. I thought yeah. it was just way too much about the presidents and their plots to do things. Yeah, I mean, even kind of echo on that one, Brylan, I, and this is probably a good criticism of... I don't even think the presidents needed to be in that, the, the movie. Um, I don't know if this was introduced in the first, being, the first day of camp or if this is something new for the movie. Uh, but I was really, I thought it would be pretty cool of, you know, if the neighboring camp was trying to get rid of Camp um, Wild, Wildwood. Firewood. Firewood. Firewood, right. Firewood. Like, uh, yeah. so, camp Tiger Claw. Tiger Claw. Yeah, Evil yeah. Reagan was introduced in the Wet Hot, um, the first day of camp. First day of camp. He wasn't yeah. part of the original film, but he was introduced so was, in the first day of camp. So it was Camp Tiger Claw. Okay. That, that, they had a big fight. Got it. That, but so that's why I was hoping that you know another like I think that would be a pretty interesting, maybe a, a little bit different, but you know approach to having like a, a competing camp trying to destroy it and not because of a like a old story. Now here's the thing: was that story about Mikey and him pooping his pants? Was that ever introduced? 
Willie shits his pants? No. Yeah, <laughs> little Willie shits his pants was another thing that they just acted like it was a hero shit. So it's like one of the things in which they 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 chose to put that in. I was like, they could have. I, I mean. I just felt like there was a lot of cut se- sequences, but the fact that I would say another going back when, and I want to give it back to you, Brylin, is, yeah. uh, you shit on my shit. I I laughed. <laughs> I, I laughed pretty hard at that so one. I was like, crazy. it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my other big criticism is going to be like, uh, without throughout all these series, uh, I never feel like they took as big a risk as they did in the original movie. Uh, when it comes to their humor, like one of the best things about the original movie is when you you see uh, Janine Graflo say, hey, who wants to come into town? And everybody gets in trouble. He's like, yeah, we're going to town. And being a former camp counselor, I know what that excitement is. It's like when you're getting away from camp, and you're just going back to civilization for a bit. And then it becomes a downward spiral of civilization for them where they just like start drinking, start smoking weed. They end up shooting heroin and wind up on a street somewhere. And then they come back and they're like, oh, how was town? It's like, oh, it's all right. You know, and I thought it was like the perfect joke. Uh, for that type of experience. And I wanted to see something that kind of like uh, pushes the edge a little bit more in this. I would have loved for a rehash on that one where they're all now working professionals and they made a huge point of like, they're all trying to find their way in life. Um, and then just to see them totally just mess all that up <laughs> because they all just started doing heroin again. Like that would have been, I would have loved to have that as a callback, but all right, uh, so it sounds like you're good to go, Brown. Um, yeah. Mike, uh, bring us home on your criticisms. Absolutely. So there's not much. It, there's not much that I can say for criticisms that hasn't already been touched on in some way, shape, or form, which I think speaks a lot towards the quality of this show. That everyone's kind of in line with the th- the few things that did bother them about it. Um, but the biggest one for me, as Warren mentioned, the President Reagan slash President Bush subplot. I felt was just unnecessary this time around. Um, to be completely honest, it was wildly unnecessary in the first day of camp. <laughs> like, it made no sense. <laughs> but it was just one of those things that David Wayne does, and you just accept it and have fun with it. But when it came back in this in this show, from, from episode one on, and it was a, such a major focus, it wasn't... It's like we had already been that route. And one of the, you know, one of the gags about Wet Hot is that at the end of a movie or a series, the camp is always in like catastrophic danger. In the first movie, it was like the SETI satellite or something like that crashing onto it. In the, the first TV show, it was, you know, evil Ronald Reagan um, trying to shut them down. Um, so I would have been fine with them having some sort of grand evil to face at the end, but it didn't have to be Reagan again. Um, and even if it was. They gave him so much screen time that took away from what I think is the real most meaningful part of this show. And what really struck to was funny for me in the first place is the interactions between the camp counselors. Um, you know, the first movie is just about there's all sorts of crazy stuff happening around them. But every scene is driven by two to four to four counselors interacting with one another, whether that's the love, the quadrangle between Coop, Katie, um, uh, what's his name? What's the name of Andy? Andy and the other Elizabeth female Banks. counselor, Elizabeth Banks. Whether it's their relationship going on, or whether it's 
you know, some of the camp counselors following McKinley around and trying to figure out why he has a stick up his ass and realize that he just needs to get laid when in actuality he's like dealing with other shit and he's a closeted homosexual like Bradley Cooper. He quite um, literally has a stick up his ass. Uh, that's a log, right? I'd bet. I'd bet anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, all of it, all of the humor was driven from the idea of what do these teenage counselors like talk about um, and joke about and laugh about and get worried about um, when they're just talking to each other and being real. And every single scene with Ronald Reagan and Camp, Camp Tigerclaw took away from that. Um, so I think that there was a lot of room for jokes and just like honest um, character interaction that we missed there. Um, aside from that, the other thing about this series that this particular season that I thought was interesting was, and this can be applied to most of the other iterations of Wet Hot, but I felt like some of the jokes kind of fell flat on their initial on their initial de- deployments. That's not a weird phrase to use, but initially a lot of these jokes fell flat for me, and maybe I just wasn't in the mind, right mindset when I was watching at the time, but almost all of those jokes became extremely funny to me when I thought about them later on. Warren, you already pointed it out, but the notion of evil Ronald Reagan bullying um, George Bush Sr., and like forcing him to take a shit on his own on his own poop, and just being like, "Yeah, poop on my poop. Yeah, your butt's touching my poop." It's just so dumb in the moment, but it kills me every time I think about it. It like every time. Um, so some stupid. of the dialogue, a lot of the dialogue moved really fast, and there were some gems in there. You know, there's a scene where the girls in the the female camper bunk are talking, and I think Abby is mad at Katie. And Abby says to Katie, who died and made you king of shit mountain? You did. And Katie's response is, no, I didn't. I don't have that jurisdiction. It's an elected position. <laughs> it's just like there's so much like good dialogue. And I, I, not all of it hit me in the moment. But going back and rewatching some episodes and thinking about them later on, um, they become even funnier. And I think that's a criticism because most people are not going to watch this show again if it doesn't make them laugh immediately. And most people, I would argue, would find it funnier the second time around, even if they're not typically in line with David Wayne's style of humor. Um, so, you know, that doesn't... It seems like they put a, a cap on this. It's the final story of the Wet Hot Saga. Um, I don't know how well it would be received if they came out with another season, even though I would love to see these characters together again somehow. Um but yeah, ultimately, those are you know my biggest criticisms: the lack of honest character exploration, like funny character exploration, but character exploration nonetheless, um, and the unnecessary, unnecessary, <laughs> unnecessariness of Ronald Reagan and George Bush in yeah. this situation. I would even say the characterization was just inconsistent. Like when you first meet Coop, he's he's like that like quiet guy with a heart of gold type of thing. And then you learn at first day of camp, like, he, he may be kind of a shithead, too, which was awesome, like, an awesome revolution about, revelation about Coop that you saw that, hey, maybe Katie shouldn't be with uh, Coop because Andy's actually kind of did what's right to save the camp at that time. Yeah. Uh, and then 15 years later, he just kind of ends up being nostalgia guys. Like, remember when, and like, remember how fun camp was? And he's just like, has this weird innocence about him, which I think they should have doubled down on his creepiness. <laughs> and also, like, I'm not sure if it was you, Bryland, or Mike who mentioned it earlier, but, you know, there was a lack of Elizabeth Banks character in it, in this yeah. film, or show, 
And she's great. She's a great asset. She's a great character. But if you think about it, the reason why she wasn't involved in all the camp nonsense was because her character drove the little Willie shits his pants mystery, um, like outside of the camp. And that had to do with Ronald Reagan being the focus of this movie. And if Ronald Reagan wasn't the focus of this movie, we could have had Elizabeth Banks and that, you know, that's like four person love affair become like another like talking point, another joke point in the show. Um, yeah, well, it was, she got it kicked was, out when she smelled like burgers, so <laughs> she was all that. I was going to say, I, like, I don't, do they actually ever present a reason why she didn't go up for the start of the weekend? She was working. Yeah. She was just focused on her job and trying to get the I guess. They, they never, they never really, really, like, said anything. They're like, oh, here she is. She never really was, like, part of the camp, per se. She was there. She was, always, she was always undercover, you know. Yeah, I thought, well, be, I, I thought it'd be funny if, you know, if you would have taken out the Ronald Reagan stuff and the things that she's investigating is uh, the Adam Scott Bradley Cooper thing. I thought that would have been pretty cool because that then ties her back to like the mate, like more character based stuff. And she's physically kind of talking about the characters that we've already like know about it. And uh, I think I think that would have been like a, a bit more interesting. Just just that you do something that's. I think people want to know more information about because it's funny yeah. or like it's and they and if they can keep Perry and dodging and dodging and dodging. I think that's I'll be a nice running gag this entire sort of uh, series. Word up! So uh, I guess let's go into our conclusion and lasting impressions, also including grades. Uh, I'm gonna start with Warren. Yeah, so I would say I, I enjoyed this actual show. Um, going from it, and, and if you're still here and haven't necessarily seen it, I, pr- I think what I'm probably going to do, just so that I can kind of appreciate everything that I've seen, is kind of go back, watch Wet Hot, watch the first day of camp, and then like kind of chew on and see you know exactly what I did and what I didn't necessarily like. Um, but, you know, walking into things blindly, that's what I do. So kind of going into this with hardly like any sort of context like i would say like my grade for this is it has to be a b you know i thought it was good i thought it was funny i think even if you can go in not knowing anything and still have a great laugh of just like some just ridiculous that's actually happening um even the bit with you have paul rudd saying that he's gonna throw to throw this kid out the deegs kid like during like the t-ball and softball uh and he like ends up having the conceding of like sh- like shit I lost. I think that's a, a very funny moment to, to to actually have. So, I he David Wayne does a great job with com- comedic bits and comedic things, even when you don't necessarily know the story or you think you may know the story and they introduce something new and that's still like a very funny element to it. Uh, so my final grade would be a B, and I would say definitely I suggest it and you should go watch it. Cool, Mocha. Yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, this show is irreverent and delightful, just like all of its previous installments. But, unfortunately, it did suffer from a lack of focus on those characters and the relationships that made the first movie amazing in the first place. Um, so, as a result, I have to give it a B-. minus. Awesome. Uh, Browland. Uh, yeah, so I've got to give it a B plus. So, I love this uh, David Wayne humor and... It definitely is always fun to see this unique cast come together. I think it's one of the most unique casts ever assembled. 
Um, I'm going to give it a B plus and, uh, I would say in an order of precedence, I would actually say I like the movie the best and then 10 years later and then first day of camp hmm. in terms of enjoyment. Uh, and I'm going to give a special shout out to Sam Levine as Artie. He is the true spirit of Camp Firewood. If anybody Amen. Is. Yeah. Ron, I honestly, I have to agree with you. The movie, nothing tops the movie. Um, but I, I really do think that this had better moments than First Day at Camp. And I think I'm going to remember it longer. Um, for that, I'm going to have to give it an A-. Um, I'm going to put Hi. a little asterisk next to it. I thought this was a great last romp for the gang. And I agree with Mocha that as much as I like the characters, I'd rather see them make like a Reno 911 follow-up. Or... You know, just take some one of the other, or, or just make an, an original IP, you know, and then do that with a crazy cast of, like, interconnected people that they always get to work with them. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of there with you. Like, I would kind of be kind of bummed that I wouldn't see any content based on Camp Firewood anymore. But also at the same time, I think this is actually, like, a perfect ending for them. Yeah, wraps up a lot of things by also not wrapping up absolutely anything. And that's the best way of describing how this works. Shout um, out to the very last scene in the movie, or in the show, which was Janine Garofalo and H. John Benjamin in his human form, relaxing on the oh, beach, with yeah, no explanation whatsoever yeah, oh, on how he nice got turned back. Done. Just reading the Wet Hot Summer book. Yeah. Well, eating, eating a can of the vegetables that he was. Yep. I'll have to say this, though. I, truthfully, this... This show was, like, built for me. Someone who's been watching these guys for 15 years or so, um, you know, and they've been around for a lot longer than that, but that's just what I've been paying attention. Um, I have to say that the the weird storyline and the weird callbacks, honestly, if you haven't watched the movie and you don't like a lot of these, like, non-secretor type of moments, you probably gonna hate it <laughs> i'm not gonna be completely honest like if you like this style of abstract humor you're gonna think it's amazing if you don't you're just gonna absolutely hate this thing and you're you're probably gonna think it's like a d or c minus tops um and so i could absolutely see it being on a lot of people's like terrible list out of like media that they've consumed this summer um that being said it worked for me. It worked for me so hard. Uh, I got wet hot. It's America. It's also the summer. And speaking of summer, Bryland, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me uh, making perfect spheres of tweets on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also see my, uh, you can read my many movie reviews at uh, on Instagram at I am Bryland. And also, we're expanding our wonderful family of down in front here. And earlier I was talking about uh, video games. I'm a big gamer. I definitely want to actually share some of my gaming with the public out there. So we're going to launch a Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash downinfrontpodcast. I uh, don't have exact time frame yet, but we're going to try to start August 24th as the maiden voyage see how this works so uh stay tuned to the down in front twitter to see when that will start julio uh let's talk about other 90s rappers mocha <laughs> you 
Yeah, so as far as social media goes, you can find me on Twitter, at MochaMikeLI, as the Lord intended. Um, unfortunately, it's not at Mocha Mike because a man who was already a full-grown adult during Ronald Reagan's actual presidency has that Twitter handle and won't give it up. So screw that guy. Screw his evil president. Um, you can also find some photos uh, that I take with a camera on Instagram. That's Instagram.com slash Mocha Mike. Um, and also you can follow me on Medium at Mocha Mike there as well, um, where I write full-form, full-length reviews of the content that we talk about at the pod as well as touch on other subjects across the spectrum of nerdiness from comics to um, video games and so on and so forth I think we're going to jump across the spectrum uh, right over to Warren where can we find your work? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be talking about a bunch of things. And uh, in order to do a hashtag kill the pod, is that I'm going to say hashtag cast. And that's what we're going to call this, not a pod, because that doesn't make any sense, but this is a cast. So anytime I talk about our podcast, I'm going to mention it as a cast. There you go, Mocha Mike. No one in the Boom. world will know what you're talking about. Oh, no one will know. They will. And it's Anybody gonna... over 35 will know. You'll see? And there you go. Uh, cool. You can tweet at Mocha Mike about it. <laughs> right? Or you can tweet no, 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 at... Wait, that's my target demographic. I want to get you can 65 tweet and older. At me. <laughs> tweet at me, your boy, at ActionJ. That's A-X-T-I-O-N-J, in which I just do a bunch of random things, whether it's running, drinking wine, having a good time. Or one of the other projects I've been doing with a couple of my best buddies, uh, Derek and Megan, that's 16 E's and Megan, uh, that is at Friends with Blends, in which case what we do is talk about a bunch of different blends, wines that we actually like. We're super pumped that uh, Apothic Inferno is coming back on September 1st, so keep an eye out for that because that wine is delicioso. I will be posting a review of the Chime wine and, just sneak peek, I found some wine ice cream. In a, in, a, in a shop next to me, uh, next to my new apartment. So I'm pretty pumped to try at least the three or 16 of those this weekend. So keep an eye out for that. That is at Friends with Blends. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Well, you're getting pretty wild over there, Warren. Uh, speaking of getting wild, I'd like to invite everyone to get a little wild with their credit cards and give us your money. Uh, so, we have a Patreon account, uh, and uh, if you give up the dollar amount that everyone is waving in my face right now, uh, which is ambiguous because this is not a video, uh, so get, it could be whatever you want it to be. Uh, but uh, patreon.com slash down in front. Um, the, your patronage uh, helps cover the cost to host all of this stuff, uh, covers the cost to go see all of this stuff. Um, really makes it able to do uh, for us. Yeah, I definitely want to also kind of do a, a quick, a huge shout out to um, uh, roommate Troy, who actually gave us a huge donation. That's actually the largest one that we actually have signed up as a subscriber for Patreon. So definitely huge thank you for that. I actually didn't thank you on the show. Uh, so I apologize for that because uh, that was a couple weeks ago. But thank you so much. Thank you, Troy. Yeah, so much. To our man Troy, uh, he now gets to have us reenact one scene from MacGruber uh, at his, <laughs> his choice. <laughs> Brian almost died. Everybody, Brian. <laughs> that whiskey's coming out his nose. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, dude. You make it. Um, you're wasting good whiskey on that one. Uh, so yeah, uh, It really helps us out to push out more of this stuff. Uh, 
And even if you don't like us, please support us, which that makes no sense. Um, so if you do like us or if you don't like us and you want to reach out to us and tell us all of your opinions, uh, please absolutely email us. We're at downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to uh, do the social media thing, you could absolutely hit us up at DIF podcast. Uh, that's at facebook.com uh, slash DIF podcast. And our Twitter is underscore DIFP. That is the initials for Down in Front Podcasts. Because uh, at least we're consistent. Um, please check us out. We are on the App Store from iTunes as well as Stitcher uh, for all of your sort of mobile device needs. Um, there is one last thing. Um, our, our email for this week is Jesse's Camp Spirit. I like that. <laughs> it's sweet. It's a good point. It's what sweet. are all your disgusting pervert ones? Uh, I was, Jesse's shits his pants. Yes! <laughs> I was going to say Jesse's round, round shit stains, but I, I was going to go with Camp Spirit. I was going to go with Wet Hot American Jesse. And <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. Oh, oh, so basically, we've got email options. Please hit us up at email.com. We've um, <laughs> the Down and Front podcast. You've been our Ryan Dowds. Thank you for tuning in this uh, merry night. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>